The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from The Movement. Good morning. Oh, man, that was so good. I feel like this is going to be a great morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Oh, yes. I preach faster the louder you get. I pre- Just laugh at me and with me the entire morning and things will be great. That was a good cue right there. Cue laughter. Go. Oh, man, this is good. <laughs> We're glad you're with us at the Movement Church. We are on week two of a series called Watchmen. Uh, we believe that if you're here today and you say, I'm a Christ follower, that we are called to be Watchmen. That video right there actually was quoting the Watchmen Creed that we've written. I want to read it to you. It's, I, I love it mostly because I wrote it, and so I feel like it, that means it's, it's inspirational. But listen to this. I believe this is for anyone in this room that says, I'm a Christ follower. If you're here and you're not really sure where you land in your faith, that's okay. We would want to say welcome to you, and you kind of get a hall pass on some of the stuff you're hearing about today. But for everyone else who says, yeah, I'm a Christ follower, I believe this is for us. And we're basing this off of a scripture in Ezekiel. But listen to this. Holding the keys to hope, yet failing to reveal the truth, means that I'm accountable as a watchman. As a watchman, I will stand for what is true. I will be moved by compassion and driven by generosity. On my watch, I will pray for and invest in the lives of those around me. I will look for opportunities to share my story and my faith. I recognize the role I play is significant not only to my purpose, but to the purpose of those I influence. The time for action is now. I will no longer be silent, for I am a watchman. In Ezekiel, we read that If we know the truth of God's purpose and plan for people's lives and we fail to share it, we fail to do something about it, then we will be held accountable. And in this series called Watchmen, we're journeying through the life of Nehemiah to discover God's purpose for you and for me as a watchman. Last week in week one, we unpacked the importance of starting first with prayer recognizing that God has a plan for you and for me, and recognizing that God wants to not only do something in me, but through me in the lives of the people who call this region home. And it has to first start with prayer. We read through the story of Nehemiah as he heard about the walls of Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah was one of millions of Jews who were in captivity in Persia. And a few thousand went back to their homeland of Jerusalem And he heard about the state and the status of those people. That they were in a city where the walls were torn down and broken. That there were no longer any gates that were there to protect them. That the temple was in ruin. And the the morale of the people in Jerusalem was just as bad as the state of the walls. Nehemiah was grieved because he knew that that meant that the people were unguarded. They were vulnerable to any type of thief that would come in and steal away Anything that they would try to build, all security was gone. All identity was lost. And if something wasn't done, they would slip off into oblivion. Only to be known about in the books of history. But no longer a nation that was thriving and strong. 
And Nehemiah's first response, as should yours and mine, was to go to God and pray. He said, to the God of heaven, would you hear my prayers? Would you lend your ear to us as we pray for what you're going to do in the lives of the people in Jerusalem? But it wasn't there that he stopped. He realized that the time for action was now. And as we journey through the life of Nehemiah, we're discovering the correlation between him and you and me. And the role that we play in the city that we live in today. You see, we, you may not realize this, but if you call Orange County home, there are a little over 3.1 million people here. But only 10% attend church. Which means 2.7 million people may not know the hope of who Jesus is. And how will they know if we don't tell them? So what is the part that we play as watchmen? First, it's to pray. It's to say, God, we're coming to you and saying, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us strength? But not only that, would you move in the hearts of the lives of the people who call Orange County home? But I believe as watchmen, we cannot just stop with prayer. I believe there's a time for action, but something needs to take place between prayer and action. You see, any time that God wants to do something great in a city, a state, Or a nation, he always starts by doing something great in somebody. Anytime God wants to do something great or a great work in the lives of people in this region, he always starts with a great work in individuals. And I believe those individuals are the people seating on your right and your left. Not you, you're exempt from this, but everybody else. And I believe if we're going to discover what it means to be a watchman then we have to do exactly what Nehemiah did and survey the walls of our lives. Survey the status of our world. The things that consume us and that we are consumed with. I believe that there are many Christ followers who have punched the card of Christianity. I said a prayer, chalked it up into the ethos. Every once in a while I attend church, I'm good. And we stop taking inventory of our lives. And the sad truth is, if we're here in this room and we're called Christ followers, we're meant to bring hope and light and a future. Yet many Christ followers are walking around with broken walls inside and they're doing nothing about it. Or, or more importantly, and maybe even maybe a little scarier, they're waiting on someone to come and tell them what they need to change instead of surveying the walls of their own life. Not you guys. We're talking about everyone else. Aren't you glad you're exempt? Actually, we should just record this and ship it out to everyone else. We're all good in the hood in this room. So let's read in Nehemiah. We're, we're journeying through this book of, of this man who recognized that there were people who needed restoration and hope. And he saw the status of the walls of their nation. And we're discovering exactly what he did as a watchman. First, he prayed. He was in captivity. He wasn't in Jerusalem. In fact, he was a Jew but never had been to the promised land. He was just grieved at the state of his nation. And he was in a place of prominence in captivity. In fact, he was a cupbearer, which meant that he would bring food and beverage to the king and taste it before the king did. And so that way, if he had been poisoned, he would die, not the king. That's a killer job. Come on right there. 
That's a good job, isn't it? And so here we find the story of Nehemiah. It's found in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to kind of go through this all throughout today. So we're going to mostly camp in chapter 2. If you brought your Bibles, man, you're a really good Christian. You're probably going to heaven. If you didn't, we're judging you right now. Harshly. Ushers, please take pictures of who... I'm kidding. But the the scriptures will be on the screen for you to read along. But listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, not the car, that was the name of the month. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. Let me pause right there. That's an awesome name, Artaxerxes. This is the son of King Xerxes, who is depicted as the bad guy in the movie 300. Now, somebody just got excited about what we're reading today. Yeah, real story. King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins? Isn't it interesting that he is grieved for the state of the people in whom you have never met? A place he's never been. And I feel that's something we can take from Nehemiah for you and for me. Because those 2.7 million people, I know you're awesome and you've got a lot of friends on Instagram and Facebook. But you're not that cool. You don't know that many people. And yet we're still called to be watchmen. And I think sometimes we get overwhelmed at the grandioseness. I made that word up. You're welcome. Of the amount of people that we need to reach. And so because we're overwhelmed, we just pump the brakes and do nothing. But I love the courage of Nehemiah. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, Orange County, the place of my father's graves lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I might rebuild it. I believe it's time for you and I to survey the walls of our lives. To take inventory of the areas that we need to work on before we begin to rebuild the walls of the people's lives in this county. In fact, listen to what this scripture says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. I don't think they have it on the screen, so you'll have to pay attention to what I say. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And so this might feel a little painful today because I'm actually going to ask that you don't think of anyone else in this room but just yourself today. And actually, I'm going to take a moment to pray, and I pray that you ask the Holy Spirit to really help you understand, not your spouse, not your neighbor, not the friend who dragged you here, but help you understand what are the areas that I, where is the broken down walls of my life? And what do I need to fix and adjust? Because you've called me to be a watchman. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. And God, we thank you that you've called us to be watchmen. So, Lord, as we journey through this sermon over the next 23 minutes and 36 seconds, 
Would you help us to survey the broken down walls in our own life? In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Three, three things a watchman does to survey his life. Three things a watchman does to survey his life. I'd encourage you to take notes because I wrote this and it's brilliant, okay? And I don't want you to leave here and only remember how good looking I am. That is not important. I'm just kidding. That's a laugh line, guys. That's a laugh line, okay? Anyways, we'll move forward. Three things a watchman does to survey his life. Number one, ask first. Ask first. Verse four of the passage we just read. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you would send me to Judah, the city of my father's graves, that I might rebuild it. Before Nehemiah could go, he had to get permission from the king. And I believe that if you want to do a successful job of surveying the broken walls in your life, then the first thing that we have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. You know, I think that if we just lean on our own intellect to discover what the broken down pieces are, then we'll come up with the same solutions that got us here in the first place. And you know what the greatest form of deception is? People, look me in the eyes for a moment. The greatest form of deception is self-deception. We're really good at it. We're really good at it, right? How many of you have started a diet on Monday and you didn't actually start it on Monday? Raise your hand right now. Oh, it's my cheat weekend. No, it's your cheat year. Let's be honest. I'm just spitting the truth and I'm hiding my belly, okay? So I'm, I'm judging myself, right? The greatest form of deception is self-deception. And we need somebody else that can come in and go, hey, that right there needs to be adjusted. And you know what? Most of us don't have the courage or the ability to actually have a conversation with another human without diving into the depths of despair or blowing up into an atomic inferno, right? Because if you go to your spouse and say, hey, what areas do I need to change? Get ready. Get ready, son. It is, you're going to hate Sunday, I promise you. Don't, maybe don't start there. A great place to start is the Holy Spirit and just say, hey, what are the things that I need to change? What are the things that I need to just in the Holy Spirit's right there to bring insight? And the great thing about the Holy Spirit is so contrasted to the way that the enemy works. So the enemy works in our life. They're saying, hey, you've jacked up. You've messed up. Here's all the problems. And it will always be this way. But the Holy Spirit comes in in a very soft and comfortable way and says, hey, you've jacked up and you've messed up, but there's better plans for you. You don't have to stay this way. And not only that, I'll give you the strength to make it through this. The first thing that we need to do is ask first. Holy Spirit, would you give me some insight? Would you give me some wisdom? I mean, can, can you imagine if you needed to have open heart surgery and you go and you, you're visiting with the doctor and you say, hey, where did you graduate from? He goes, oh, <laughs> I didn't graduate. Went to school for nine months. Got it. And I just started my own practice. Right? You'd be like, deuces. I'm out. Right? 
I mean, why do we have standardized testing in schools? Don't, don't get all into the, well, I don't think standard. Just settle down. It's, you're getting permission from the system. Can I go to the next grade yet? Well, I'm in second grade now. Well, awesome. Congratulations. How do you know? Because I decided to be boom. Are you tracking with me? We've got to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What do you want to adjust? What do you want to change? And then listen to what he says. Hey, listen, you know, I think one of the greatest steps that we could take as Christ followers, and this seems so simple and so dumb, yet it's the very foundation of the faith to which we hold. I wonder what would happen if every day of our life we woke up and prayed a prayer of surrender. Holy Spirit, today, I give you my life. You lead, you guide, you instruct. I'll move over to the co-pilot chair. I wonder what would happen if we just started each day with a simple prayer of surrender. If you want to survey the walls... And you don't have to start with an Excel spreadsheet of everything. Just start with saying, Holy Spirit, what do I need to change? And some of you may be like my wife, and it might be just one or two things. And some of you may be like me, and it's a list so long, you can't even, you just start crying at like number 62. Well, okay, let's just start with the first one. Holy Spirit, that first one, you already know. And listen, don't, I'm not talking about your spouse. Settle down. I can feel it. Well, I'm going to tell him that I'm the Holy Spirit and make sure he knows. <laughs> We've got to survey the walls of our life. We've got to ask first. Number two, we have to prepare for conflict. Hey, listen, every time we pursue obedience to God, the enemy is going to increase the attack in our life. You've got to know that. Isn't that encouraging? I think, I think, this isn't in my notes, I think that this is why some Christians and Christ followers are okay with about a three-foot shallow relationship with Jesus. Because then I can only change the things that I want to change and just kind of live life the way I want to. Punch the card. I'm good. We're called to be watchmen. And here's the challenge. You're not good. You're mediocre. And you've marginalized your life. And you would never parent your, your kids that way. And, and, and you, I don't have kids. Well, you get the picture. And so why marginalize your life? It's, it's a little painful. And conflict's going to come. But man, the Holy Spirit will give you strength to make it through it. And I promise you, on the other side of breakthrough, is a better life than you've ever possibly imagined. You sound like Joel Osteen. Thank you. I don't have this cool of hair, but thank you. We just lost some visitors. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Prepare for conflict. Prepare for the Ice Age. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Nehemiah sets out. He gets permission from the king. He asks first. And the king's like, you know, Nehemiah, I trust you. You've been a faithful servant. And not only am I going to send you, but I'm going to send you with letters to all the governors and the officials saying that you have my blessing 
and they're there to help you in rebuilding the wall. And so he sets out on a journey, okay? And he starts to get close to the city of Jerusalem. Verse 9. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army. Uh-oh, I lost that. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army and horsemen. Verse 10. But when Sanballat, how that, how's that for a name? And Hornite, that's another good name. Horonite, it might be better. And Tobiah, the Ammonite, servant, heard this. It, deple- it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. If you're writing in your Bible, underline those three names because we're going to reference those next week and the following week. So he's setting out and he's stoked and he's excited about going to rebuild the walls because this is what he's been praying for for months on end. And he gets close to the city and he's excited and he faces opposition immediately because they are upset that he's excited about doing what God wants him to do. And you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly how many of you have ever started a diet or a cleanse and everybody in the world starts making fun of you. We had some people on our team, Jeremy and Jessica, they're pastors on our team, and they started the Dirty 30, or what's it called, the 30 for, 3 for 30, what's that called? Whole 30, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. They started the Whole 30, eat organic, you know, don't breathe the oxygen in California, wear a mask like Michael Jackson, and you know, you have to stand on one hand, I don't even know what it is, and immediately I started making fun of them. Why? Because I should have been on that diet! And it's so much easier if I point out what I don't like because then I'm not focusing on what I need to change inside. Stop judging me. You know what I'm talking about. Forgive me for saying dirty 30. I apologize. And some of y'all are stuck there. I'm so sorry. Every time you set out to pursue obedience to God, you're going to face opposition. Every time. Why? Because on the other side of obedience is the fulfillment of God's calling on your life. And the enemy wants to shut that down before it can even get started. Every single time. Why is it so difficult that when you get on fire for God and you're like, man, I want to read my Bible and I pray every day and two days in you've forgotten. And your reading plan's two minutes long, one verse, please, come on. Sorry for the... I love everyone in this room. Are you tracking with me? You're going to face challenges. You're going to face opposition. Hey, here's the good news. You're going to face opposition at the beginning and the middle and the end of any great thing that God is going to do in you and through you. Isn't that encouraging? Can I get an amen? Nobody wants to say amen to that. But here's the great news. The scripture says that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So you'll face oppositions, like Jesus said, trials of many kind. But, great word there, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Listen, newsflash, everyone in life faces opposition. Some do it with Jesus and some do it without. I choose with Jesus, hands down, every time. You're going to face challenges. Listen to this by a famous theologian, Redpath. He said this, there is no winning without warfare. There is no opportunity without opposition. There is no victory without vigilance. 
For whenever the people of God say, let us arise and build, Satan says, let me arise and oppose. And hey, if it's not external, it's going to be internal. Fear, insecurity, inadequacy, past, every emotion you can think possible will surface to prohibit you from rebuilding walls. Why? Because other people are on the other side of a rebuilt wall. And so when God does something in you and through you, it doesn't just affect you. It affects hundreds and thousands of people on the other side. Hey, and you get that because you experience the pain of the same. If you have a close loved one who passes away, it's not just them who experiences that. All the family experiences the grief of the loss. Are you tracking with me? And so when we see God's success in our life, it doesn't just do something in here, but it does something out there. Are you tracking? And so if it's not an external opposition, it will be an internal opposition. The journey for Nehemiah was 800 stinking miles. That's a long way to go. And I think so many people are consumed with the idea of change. The prayers for change, the desires for change, but rarely actually take the steps to change. That's what I love about this watchman, Nehemiah, who not only was praying that God would move and do something, he was letting God rebuild the walls in his own life. And that's God's purpose for you. The time for action is now. The time for action is now. Three things a watchman does to survey his life. Ask for, pardon me, first, prepare for conflict. And number three, inspect your walls. Inspect your walls. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, it says this. Then I arose, he's finally gotten to Jerusalem. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. He's saying, I didn't enter the city with this huge parade, like, hey, I'm here to rebuild the city walls. He said, no, I went out in the middle of the night when no one was awake to check out what could be done. And then I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. That's a great name for a gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. And then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. What's he doing? He's carefully going and inspecting every nook and cranny and aspect of the broken down wall. Hey, when was the last time you took inventory and said, what are the areas that I need to change and rearrange and fix in my life? I believe that as watchmen, we are called to survey the walls of our life and figure out what can I get better in, what can I change. And I think there are some things that we've got to focus in on. We've got to be careful, though, what we focus on. Because if we focus only on the good things of our life, then it will lead to self-deception. If we focus only on someone else's wall, which is so easy to do, then it leads to self-righteousness. And the truth is, if we focus only in on our failure, it'll often lead to discouragement. So how do do we and what do we focus in on? I love this. In verse 15, the scripture says, Nehemiah said, I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall. And I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. He said, I got up 
and I inspected the wall. In the original translation of that word inspected in Hebrew, it's so exciting. It means to inspect. Crazy, I know. Examine, wait, and listen to this. Hope for. You see, Nehemiah wasn't focusing on someone else's wall. It was his promised land, his home, right? He was surveying his walls. He wasn't focusing in on all the great things that were happening in the city. And he wasn't letting discouragement fill his heart. Why? Because he was inspecting it with the hope that God had for the promised people of Israel. And I think that's what you and I need to remember as we survey the walls in our life. Because if we're not careful... If we focus only in on the good, man, it leads us to the wrong direction, the wrong place, doesn't it? If we focus on someone else's wall, we become self-righteous. And if we allow the discouragement of our life and our past to sink in, then we'll forget to actually rebuild the wall. But God's hope for you is that, yes, there is a promise. That you can rebuild the walls in your life. And more importantly, not only can he bring fulfillment to your life, but he can use you in a powerful way to bring fulfillment to other people's lives. So how do I do this? How do I survey? What are the questions that I need to ask as I survey? Number one, what areas of my life do I need to remove? What areas of my life do I need to remove? You know, I think about the word survey, and I think about, have you guys ever watched that, I think it's on History Channel or TLC, How the States Got Their Shapes? Y'all ever seen that show? Two of you. The rest of you probably are not as cool as we are. Uh, I, I am kind of a history nerd, and I don't care what it is. I like to study it, and I watch the show, like, relentlessly. And it's interesting to see how our nation got its shape and form because the surveyors were not very educated. Most of them were alcoholics, and most of them were just doing it because they were just got out, released from prison. They couldn't get another job. Congratulations. If you've ever seen the state of Arizona, the southernmost border that borders Mexico Uh, At the very, from the, uh, what's the direction here? Yes, from the east side of the state to the west side, it kind of slants up as it heads towards California. And the reason it heads up instead of straight across is because the surveyors uh, heard there was beer and women, whiskey and women in Yuma. So they just kind of hightailed it straight to Yuma. And that's why Arizona's at an angle on the bottom. True story. True story, right? But what are surveyors doing? They're establishing the boundaries of our life, of the nation. And I think the first step we need to take as we survey the walls of our life is establish boundaries that are healthy for who God's called us to become. So what are the things, the areas in your life that you need to remove? Some of you have already begun to think about them as I'm talking through this message today. I think that some of us in this room need to wait and, and not focus on the, the, the good things or what decisions I need to make, but we need to start focusing on the things that I need to stop doing poorly. Does that make sense? We need to focus on stopping the wrong decisions before we focus on making the right ones. Let me just ask some, some real questions. I don't want you to show of hands, but if you're here and you're using a substance... To escape or medicate or avoid the life that you've been given. That may be something that you need to remove. Whatever that substance might be. Could be alcohol. Could be tobacco or nicotine. It could be prescription medication. Hey, it could be video games. A friend... Five, six years ago, almost lost his marriage because he was playing video games for 36 hours a weekend. Two kids. 
I know it seems silly, but what are the areas that you might be medicating or numbing the pain that you're walking through? What do you need to remove? Maybe it's hours upon hours of Netflix. You know, you get done with that one show and there's one more episode calling your name. 4 a.m. shows up and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to go to work in three hours. We laugh, but those kind of things can destroy us. Are you saying the TV is bad? No, settle down. Is it consuming your life? It's a question worth asking. What are the areas that you need to remove? Do you say yes to everything that you want? That's a quick way to find disaster in your life. Do you say yes to everything that you want? What's the nature of the things that you fill your mind with? What is the nature of the television and the movies and the music that you listen to? What's the nature of the conversations you have with friends? Is it edifying and uplifting and life-giving? Do you know that the way that God speaks to us, more often than not, is not through an audible voice that we hear, but it's through His nature, which we discover through the reading of Scripture. And you understand that. If you're married in this room, you get that because your wife can call, you can tell by the nature of the ringtone if she is ticked off at you. She says, you go, hey, babe. And she's like, hello. Death. And you're panicking, thinking, what did I do? And she said one word, two syllables. But you know because of her nature. God's speaking through his nature, through the word, through sermons like this, through a worship journey. What is the nature of the things that is consuming your life? The entertainment and the conversations and the friends. What's the nature of it? Is it life-giving and helping you become who God's called you to become? Or is it draining the life out of you? The question you need to ask is, what areas do I need to remove? Another question you need to ask is, what areas do I need to change? What areas do I need to change? Do you need to change your interaction with the Lord? Here's a question that's worth asking. Is your only interaction with God through a connect group or a Sunday morning service at church? If so, you're missing out. Do you realize that the creator of the heavens and earth has the greatest desire to spend time with you on a daily basis? He gave us a manual and a playbook for life that breathes life into every scenario you're walking through. And when you read it, he leans in and says, that is for you. When you pray, he's listening. I try to pray, it's just not working. What does that mean? Well, I prayed, you know, God is great, God is food. But it's thinking, well, he's not food, that's awkward. If you're only praying for meals... You're just saying, thanks for this, this meal I'm about to eat, but you're not actually investing in a relationship. Well, you talk about it all the time, prayer and scripture reading, is it that important? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the foundation of an amazing relationship with God. And if you can't start there, man, if you haven't, I would challenge you to start right there. Just give God 15 minutes of your day, a couple of verses in the Bible, and in that time, with the prayer of surrender, 
And watch what God will do in just a couple of weeks in your life. What areas do you need to change? Number three, what areas do I need to rebuild? What areas do I need to rebuild? Maybe you have a fractured marriage. And you've been investing everywhere else except for in your relationship. As you're surveying the walls of your life, why don't you start with rebuilding that marriage? Well, I don't know if I can trust. Well, then start with that. God, would you give me the strength to trust in a way that I don't know how? Holy Spirit, what are the things that you want to do in me so I can be a better spouse? Maybe it's time to start rebuilding a fractured marriage. What areas do you need to rebuild? Perhaps it's a forgotten destiny. A forgotten destiny. The mundane and the normal of life has caught up and you've let the dreams that God planted in your heart kind of drift away as you step into adulthood and maturity. Maybe it's time to start praying, saying, God, would you just help rekindle those dreams in my heart? Rebuild the destiny that God placed in you. Do you know that's my number one greatest desire? And I believe what God's purpose for my life is, is to awaken destiny in the lives of people. Look me in the eyes for a moment. There are some of you here today who are just going through life, and you don't have to. You were created for something amazing. Maybe you don't realize it, or maybe you do, and you've allowed it to slip away. Today's the day to say, God, wait, I'm coming back to you. What's the dream and the destiny that God placed in your heart? It's time to awaken that. Begin to rebuild it. What are the areas you need to rebuild? Perhaps it's a firm faith. Just so many questions. So many questions that I have about God and the role that he plays in our life. And the questions seem to go unanswered and they are a conundrum to me. And I'm having a difficult time wrapping my mind around it. I understand, man. I've walked through that journey so many times in my life. But what are you doing about it? Just asking the questions or are you pursuing the answers? The scripture says that he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness will be filled. Are you allowing the word to fill your heart as you discover the answers that God has? Are you reading a Bible-based, Christ-centered book that helps you firmly land on what your faith is? Or are you just settling for mediocre and marginalizing your life? Well, I just don't know what I believe. Punch in, punch out. You're created to be a watchman. What areas do you need to rebuild? What areas do you need to rebuild? Nehemiah heard of the desolation of his people, and his first response was to pray. God, you hear my prayers. Listen to my cries. Would you move on the heart of your people and give me the ability to do something about this? And the second thing he did was he surveyed the damage in the walls. And I believe as watchmen we're called to survey the walls of our life and establish and determine, God, what do you want to change? Remove and rebuild. Holy Spirit, lead and guide as I inspect these walls because I want to be who you've called me to be and I realize the time for action is now. So give me strength. Nehemiah surveys the walls and he comes back 
verse 17 and 18, and he says this. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words of the king had spoken to me. And they heard Nehemiah speak, and they said to him, let us arise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. I believe that God wants to do something in you and through you, but first we've got to survey the walls of our life and make changes. Look at me, look at me. We are all headed at life speed towards eternity. And we will go one of two places. An eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. And the change agent is whether or not I've said yes to Jesus. There are 2.7 million people in this region who may or may not know the hope of who Jesus is. That they can make it through life fulfilled. And guys, guess what? God has created a messenger. He's given a solution through Jesus, but created a messenger to spread the good news of the gospel of who Jesus is. And you know who that is? You, it's you, with all your jacked up, messed up, crazy life. It's you, how awesome is that? He takes our brokenness and our imperfection and he says, oh, but wait, my grace is sufficient. And you know what? If you'll just trust in me, let me do work in your life, then I can use you to bring hope to a world that is full of no hope, to a world that needs to know the future that Jesus has given them. You are God's messenger. You are the watchman. That's the role that we play. The time for action is now. We begin with prayer. The next step is to survey. Say, God, what do you want to change so that we can rebuild the walls? Amen? Amen? Hey, listen, there's some of you who are sitting here today, and maybe you're wavering in your faith and not sure where you stand with this whole thing, but you're saying, man, I want to be a part of that. And like you said, Pastor Kerry, my life is kind of jacked up. If you knew my past and you wouldn't even let me in the doors of the church, man, I couldn't, that couldn't be further from the truth. You say, you know what, I, I just, every time I pray, I, I feel this gap or separation between me and God, and I just can't ever connect. And you know what, the Bible talks about that gap. It's called a sin gap. And it's a separator. And you're not the only one who's experienced sin. We all have. The Bible also says that. We've all sinned. But God gave a radical solution. And his name is Jesus. Who came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross paying the ransom for your sin and for mine. Closing the gap that we can have a relationship with God. Allowing the Holy Spirit to help us survey the walls of our life. Living in our destiny and fulfilled. And making a difference in the world that we live in. And you don't have to get perfect to experience that. You don't have to have a perfect past. You don't even have to have a Christian background. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. And in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer and give you an opportunity to do just that. You won't have to get out of your seat. You don't even have to move. But if you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, I want to challenge you to repeat it after me in your heart of hearts. 
and let God do something and begin something brand new in your life. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, today's the day to come running back. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. No one moving. If you've never prayed this prayer, then just repeat after me in your own heart. You don't even have to say it out loud. But let God do something new in you. Just say this prayer. Say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. That you've given me purpose. But I've got sin in my life. I'm a little jacked up. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for my sins. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Just make this declaration in your heart to say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, we're